Oh, yes, yes. This week in cyberspace. Yes, indeed. It is that time again. And amazingly, our dear friend Brett Solomon oh, has come back from the World Economic Forum. Brett, how are you going? <laughs> are you a bit <laughs> jet lagged still? I am a little. Um, you know, um, <clears throat> being at the World Economic Forum is a um, monumentous task on so many different levels. I can't even imagine. I mean, firstly, it's minus 17 degrees. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was <laughs> minus 17 degrees Celsius at In times. Davos. Yeah, so basically, for people who don't know, the World Economic Forum um, is an organization that every year has this event in Davos. Um, <clears throat> and it's basically a meeting of heads of state, CEOs, and um, powerful folks from across different, um, you know, different sectors. And it's pretty controversial, actually. Like, it's been going for a, a long time now, and it goes in and out of the news. I think people, um, you know, have protested the existence of the World Economic Forum multiple times i mean in big ways you know sort of blockading people getting to the meeting and, and because it's big money and it's big, big money government. it's big power it's big tech it's big ag it's everything big yeah. about it and it's in a very kind of um small uh, village like the event itself happens in a small village nestled in the swiss alps it's kind of like you couldn't even make a you know james bond film <laughs> about it um but um, you know, that's where lots of decisions are made and lots of like norms are built and discussions are had. And so... Um, what are you doing there? Yeah, what am I doing there? <laughs> I mean, a little guy from the yeah. Shire. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you are the CEO of Access yeah, Now, as well as so exactly. you're representing civil society. Yeah, and so there is a limited number of civil society that get invited to, to Davos. Um, Access Now is one of them. I mean, I think some people are of the opinion that, you know, the whole meeting should just disappear. Me, myself, um, as the executive director of Access Now, are, are of the, uh, I'm of the opinion, uh, and I think an, a number of others as well, is like, you know, they're either not going to talk about you at all if you're not there, or they're going to like, um, and, and, or they're not even going to even, like they might talk about you, you you not being there but the best in my opinion the best way in is to actually be at the table um because the the discussions and the decisions that are made are serious and big and like and you know i mean you've got the deputy prime minister of ukraine there you've got 50 or 60 heads of state you've got the ceos of the biggest companies in the world like google and, amazon yeah, yeah like many of them are there i mean you, you name it and i think it's really important that the human rights um, community, the social justice sector, the environmental lobby, like it's really important that we're, that we're at the table. And that's why I was there. I was also asked to speak on a couple of panels, which I did. One um, of which was with the Deputy Prime Minister of Ukraine. That's right. And the President of um, Google um, Global Affairs. Um, that's right. And that's Genevieve, a pretty big seat at the table. Yeah, it was a huge seat at the table. Mm. Genevieve Bell was there, who's also from ANU, some amazing and of um, yeah, cybernetics. That's right. She's a, an anthropologist uh, at the ANU. Yeah, and she's she's incredible. Working um, at the intersection of cultural practice and technology development. Exactly. She's a brainiac, basically. She, she, no, she really is. I mean, that panel, if, you know, if I wasn't there or she wasn't there, like that panel would go ahead. The topic was about tech and power. Um, and, you know, my main message was that... Um, you know, when you're looking for the common good, which the panel was sort of headed towards, when you're looking for the common good, you need to ensure that the human rights framework applies 
um, online. That means we need to have privacy around our data. It means that we need to have freedom of expression, which is not censored and curtailed by governments, um, you know, untowardly. It means that, um, you know, when, when the development of new technologies happen, like, for instance, one of the big topics um, at Davos this year was chat um, GPT, which was like, which is about a generative AI and the way in which it's radically shaping and instantly reshaping, um, you know, how we do learning, how we do education, how we do legislating. Um, we can talk a little bit about that today. Yeah, but, let's um, talk about it because, you know, you bumped into Will I Am there, who loves it. Nick Cave absolutely hates it. I mean, he's called it, uh, you know, an act of self-murder that destroys all one has strived to produce in the past. Yeah. It's pretty strong words from a very well, I think creative should, person. I think people should know that that artificial intelligence has taken a very significant leap in this last month or so. Um, you know, we've been saying for a long time that whoever controls the future of the internet controls the future of the world. I've shifted that a little bit. I think it's more about who wins the tech race, the tech races of which there are many controls the future of the world. It's not just about the internet anymore. It's much. It's more about many of the technologies that sit on top of it. Um, and generative AI is, and we've seen it as its most recent example. Actually, we've spoken a few weeks ago in This Week in Cyberspace about um, Lenser, which was the app that was converting your face into like, you know, a warrior or you as a, into a fairy princess or whatever. A magical and, avatar. Um, and, mm. and it, but it used your face. Well, this is a similar thing in a way with words. It's based on a language set um, and, um, and massive amounts of data that essentially, if you look at it in a chat perspective, like in a chat bot, it essentially instantly understands um, and interprets your language and can reply in a way which is clearly tailored to you. The applications of it that we've seen are much more significant than that. Um, I just read an article in the US about legislation being created with this AI. Um, students, you know, many of the schools wow. in New South Wales. Legislation, yeah, yeah that's pretty yeah. full on. I mean, if, if a, a robot, a computer is generating policy yeah, and legislation, that's and, pretty full and on. And also, like, even this conversation that we're having now, um, you know, could also go through ChatGPT as well. Because the thing is that what it does is it creates very, very um, articulate and sophisticated um, language that appears to be real it appears to be so you could you can write something like you know um um create it like the reason why will i am and and nick cave was so interested in it is because it can actually create a song about love in the style of nick cave or it can write a, a song about the hood in the style of um will i am will i am sees it as this incredible opportunity for like new explosion of growth um, of creativity, of um, you know, where humans can use the the the, the AI as a tool in order to, to in, a, in order to be able to like further their own creativity and their own possibility and opportunity. Others see it as the end of human creativity. I think that's what Nick Cave was suggesting. So it's owned by Microsoft. So obviously, uh, it's a money making. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we prospect. need to know, like, we need to understand that. All technology is pretty much privatized. Um, even if it's based on open source technologies, often the actual final product itself um, is owned by the private sector. And there's been a big, there's a there's been a massive battle on 
AI? Like who's going to get the upper hand? Um, Google, um, um, Microsoft. Microsoft has this investment in OpenAI, which is the one that produces ChatGPT. Um, what does GPT uh, even yeah, stand for? Yeah, um, um, I'll tell you. Go pro together <laughs> or something. <laughs> no, it's. Um, um, I'm sure someone can um, text in or call in. Text and tell in oh four three seven three four triple one nine is our number. Or plus six one if you're calling from outside of Australia. Plus six one. Um, but it's it's, it's like generative, um, transformative technology. It's some sort of version of that. Um, but essentially. Um, um, you know, I mean, we've seen now in New South Wales and Queensland and Australia that the, that the states are moving towards or have already banned it for schools. Um, and, you know, many people are also suggesting that it's also brilliant for schools as well because it gives students a way in which to kind of leap up and step up in terms of the way that they communicate. You know, we now if we're literally fighting the algorithm, we're fighting the artificial intelligence to be better and more informed than the algorithm, which is kind of, like, frightening. Uh, <laughs> I think Nick Cave said, uh, you know, he referred to the emerging horror of AI, you know, where, I mean, for myself as a yeah. voiceover artist, I know that, you know, I am being replaced all yeah. over the world with Not computers. You, yeah, me personally. My identity <laughs> has been stolen and I'm being replaced Never. by Press One now <laughs> by a computer. Even the Byron Shire, where we're broadcasting from, um, they have some kind of computer-generated message that says, Byron. Yeah. It's like, hang on, I was speaking to someone <laughs> saying, this guy, while we're waiting, uh, you know, on the hold line is... Um, can't even yeah. say Byron, and it's yeah. the Byron Shire. I hope they've addressed that. Please, yeah. <laughs> please tell me you have. Um, all of these. The thing is that all of these things are going to get addressed because the the the, the algorithm um, is just getting better and better. And and the the thing about technology is that it doesn't just it doesn't just evolve in parallel lines. Like it actually technologies support each other so like things that might have been separate are connected by new technology and then they spur each other on you know if you think about something like um like geolocation you know geolocation and the algorithm so you know like the algorithm can like identify content the geolocation can identify that that content is yours and then you put those two things together and you've got the geo where you are making that content and i think that we need to be nervous but we also need to be uh, optimistic as well because the the reality is is that these technologies are now no longer a thing of the future these technologies are a thing of today and so we've made a lot of mistakes with previous technologies we need to move quickly on the regulatory side to make sure that when we think about things like um, AI, like how we actually, or the metaverse, which we can talk about, it was another big takeaway from Davos, you know, how do we ensure um, data protection, you know, the protection of our own individual data? How do we ensure that the metaverse is not a space which just becomes open for surveillance of, with, you know, without any laws in place to protect us from the spying governments or from monitoring companies. So you're there at the table championing this idea that we have to protect our data, protect humans. How did it go down? Uh, <laughs> I mean, did, did it land somewhere yeah, I think it, that I you think, were satisfied I think with? It, I think it does. I think it did land because, you know, many of these issues like um, privacy protections um, or um, data protection or freedom of expression, they're also a part of the 
like governments that reckon like the European Union, for instance, and the Australian government and others are recognizing that there needs to be regulatory frameworks that we can't just have a wild west. So, you know, whether you call it human rights, which is what we call it, or whether you call it, you know, regulatory reform or, you know, like it's it's all and and companies also know that they're now being say with the with the data protection regulation in the European Union, they're being fined retrospectively for their activities or being fined now for their activities. And some of those things can be, you know, five and ten percent even of like profits. So it can be hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of um, fines on companies. So I think all of this is moving forward way too fast, but in the knowledge that like this can't just be the Wild West, that we've seen what happens when we let technologies go unregulated. Um, you know, e.g. Facebook um, and, or Twitter. And so now with all of these things that are happening so fast, like lawyers, I mean, legislators need to get into the Congresses and into the parliaments around the world and make sure that they're keeping a very firm hold on this. And that's why our voice as civil society is so important at these forums, because otherwise you've just got governments who are like, you know, about state control and companies that are about profits, but who's actually representing the citizens, the users in all of this? So you were there. Who else was there representing us, the <laughs> uh, civil so society? So Oxfam um, put out this, puts out this really excellent report for the World Economic Forum, which is on um, poverty and global inequity, which was like very much part of the conversation. I didn't see any of the Oxfam folks there, but I know that they were there. The Human Rights Watch people um they're like making sure that um you know again the governments and, and companies are thinking about human rights watch um you know there's lots of a handful of um religious leaders a handful of like folks from the global south um you know there's an organization called ushahidi there which is like on sort of um mapping like re really good um and they've been around for a long time on kind of satellite mapping and mapping before like google maps really came along so there's but unfortunately as far as i'm aware there's only 50 spaces for civil society representatives 50 tickets um out of how many i, I there's like thousands yeah it's a few thousand so okay. it's like you know and one of the messages while i was there which i was just like this is up now we need to make sure that there's more representatives of civil society there because look there's power centers all over the world we know that like at the UN in Brussels um, in um, in the Byron Shire uh, <laughs> there's all these power centers all over the world and 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 decisions are increasingly made you know in the dark like what we're calling for is transparency and accountability mm. making sure that we're there making sure that we're there in an informed manner uh, and making sure that like we're actually being listen to you know a lot of the problem right now is that there's just so much going on and there's insufficient voices actually like insufficient and under-resourced voices that can be you know have a conversation about um, many of these things like actually informed enough and so what we need to do as part of that is to really build up the skills pipeline the knowledge pipeline of, of citizens so that we can like fight and it is a fight you know, and and I'm really happy that we were there at the World Economic Forum in Davos. Um, but I would invite other people to come and attend as well if they can. Um, and I'm happy to help people. Like you know, ha happy to help open the door to other folks as well. Fantastic, Brett Solomon. Thanks so much for joining us again. Anytime. See you I next see, week. See you next week. <laughs>